Hello, and welcome to an everyday follower of Jesus Christ. This is your friend Cheryl, and today as we continue working on our series about the Constitution and Declaration of Independence, we're going to add this construct of being lulled to sleep. As we contemplate the Constitution, the checks and balances of power that were clearly identified so no one branch could overrule another, also requires that we understand the forces of good and evil that are in our midst. Often we're lulled to sleep thinking all is well or that someone else will just take care of it. We're going to immerse ourselves today in the Book of Mormon, another testament of Jesus Christ, to learn more about how the enemy operates amongst us. May God bless us with his quiet assurance of the truth of the words that we share today and strength to act. Through the Book of Mormon, our Heavenly Father opens to his children the unholy playbook of his enemies. Speaking about the Book of Mormon, Ezra Taft Benson, a prophet and steadfast follower of Jesus Christ, said, Is the Book of Mormon true? Yes. Who is it for? Us. What's its purpose? To bring men to Christ. How does it do this? By testifying of Christ and revealing his enemies. Let's take a look at that playbook, which includes the destruction of America, its guiding documents, and its people. As we said, we'll be in 2 Nephi chapter 28 to learn more about this playbook of our enemy. The first, false doctrines, often called the precepts of men, reminds us of when people are learned, did they think they're wise? The first enemy of Christ that Nephi reveals its false, vain, and foolish doctrines taught by churches that are built up, but not unto the Lord. Second part of this, there is no God today, for the Lord and Redeemer has done his work and given his power unto men. They would claim that he is not a God of miracles. The phrase repeated in chapter 28, the Redeemer has done his work, which directly attacks the doctrines of revelation and restoration and leaves people believing that the Savior's work is done. Well, he's clearly stated his work in glory is to bring to pass the immortality and eternal life for all mankind. That includes you and me, and his work of miracles and restoration of his truths continues every single day. Two, we just die, so enjoy today. There shall be many which say, eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die, and it should be well with us. Second Nephi 28 and 7. This evil idea taught by Antichrist flies in the face of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ in the garden and on the cross. He atoned so we could repent, grow, and develop. This false teaching indicates that justice does not have to be satisfied, and if that was the case we would not have needed a savior. A philosophy commonly espoused is that extra miracles are acceptable, followed by, just don't get caught. Another that has just been recently overturned by the Supreme Court of the United States with Roe v. Wade is, quote, it's a woman's right to choose to kill unborn babies, unquote. Is it a right? Instead of teaching people to remove feelings of guilt through contrition and repentance, some modern philosophers seek to strip God's children of his gift of conscience, 
by teaching them to lower their moral standards and sear their consciences. In such ways, some modern teachers seek to overturn Christ's teachings and values with their own false ones. Another variation of the eat, drink, and be merry for tomorrow you die is found in verse uh, 28 or 8 in chapter 28 of 2 Nephi. A little sin is okay. Don't worry about it. There shall also be many which shall say, Eat, drink, and be merry. Nevertheless, fear God. He will justify in committing a little sin. Yea, lie a little. Take advantage of one because of his words. Dig a pit for your neighbor. There's no harm in this. And do all these things, for tomorrow we die. And if it so be that we are guilty, God will just beat us with a few stripes. And at last we shall be saved in the kingdom of God. Again, we see that such falsehoods uh, falsehoods strip Jesus Christ to irrelevant and useless. His sacrifice for you and I is everlasting and the greatest gift given to humanity. Beware of being deceived. A key element in this verse above is, quote, there is no harm in this, unquote. This devilish whisper invites good men and women to be selectively obedient. Such a whisper suggests that some sins are little and that these little sins may be excused because they're not harmful. Let us remember, stealing is stealing, lying is lying, sexual sin is sexual sin, deceit is deceit, and you can add to the list. It calls to mind a discernment strategy offered to me when I was a young school assistant principal. Quote, if it walks like a duck and it quacks like a duck, it is probably a duck. Don't be deceived, unquote. Four, false teachers. There shall be many which shall teach after this ma manner of vain and foolish doctrines and shall be puffed up in their hearts and shall seek deep to hide their counsels from the Lord and their work shall be in the dark. It's in chapter 28, verse 9. When any teacher is giving you guidance that ignores God, run. Our current president is striving to sway people to his new point of view. Quote, come on, man, what's wrong with you? Is an example of false teaching. It's all around us and requires us to be on our knees seeking God's power, personal revelation, and protection. Five, pride. Pride is known as the universal sin. It is the beginning of the downfall of any people. Or nation. History teaches us this, and so do the scriptures and words of God's holy prophets. Four results of pride are found in this same chapter in 2 Nephi 28. Corrupt churches, persecution of the meek and the poor in heart, wickedness, particularly whoredoms, and apostasy. Pride seems to be the first step to sin and wickedness, Boasting leads to envy and strife, then to malice and persecution, and then, if unchecked, to murder in all manners of, of iniquity. See the book of Helaman, chapter 13, 22. Now for the last tool of the enemy that we will hi highlight today. Apathy. Quote, others will Satan pacify, unquote. Disciples of Christ may relax in their discipleship to the point where they fall asleep spiritually. Satan lulls them into saying, quote, all is well in Zion. Yea, Zion prospereth, all is well, unquote. 
That's chapter 28, verse 21 in Second Nephi. When people become too secure in their righteousness, their keen watchtower eyes can quickly become sleepy droops. As the man of the house does in the parable, they fall asleep and their property, in this case their souls, are open for the thief to come in and plunder. It's in the Bible, New Testament, Matthew 24 and 43. I've begun to understand the Overton window introduced by Glenn Beck in looking at apathy. An idea introduced that used to cause outrage in our nation, let's use the encouragement of socialism versus freedom, has today become tolerable and even embraced. You see if it's introduced and then seen as a no, not ever, patience and continuing introduction in small doses are reactions against things that are the antithesis of our Constitution, our morals and values, simply result in our reactions becoming weakened, and what would have shocked us a few years earlier is now tolerable and perhaps even desirable. The Overton window shows how acceptance is built towards that which destroys the moral fabric of a people and a nation. Today, there are those who would have us believe our Constitution is irrelevant, and those who attack our rights, our morals, our beliefs, and we stand by and watch. Another approach Satan uses to encourage spiritual apathy is convincing people there is no hell, and I'm no devil, for there is none, found in verse 22. How often I hear others say, there's no devil, there's no sin, Cheryl, and frankly, there is no God. It still hurts my heart every time I hear these words. Thank goodness. Furthermore, by such reasoning, evil and moral truth becomes relative. God is dethroned, and man becomes his own measure of right and wrong. Hence, there's no need to worry about obtaining eternal life. It is either guaranteed or doesn't exist. Sounds to me like an enemy trying to convince us of that which I rejected in the pre-mortal councils, and so did you. It is my hope that by sharing these key methods of the unholy playbook of the great deceiver, your enemy and my enemy, we will be more aware today of these tactics and renew our resolve to avoid the snares that lead us to hell. Won't you join me? Until next time, God be with you.